You're thinking about starting a podcast, right? Let me tell you that Anchor is the easiest way to do it. To start off with, it's free, and everybody loves free. There are a lot of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on different platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, go ahead and download the free Anchor app, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, here we go. Episode 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Two months into this thing, episode 10. How you feeling, Nelson? Feeling good, bro. How about yourself? I'm good, I'm good. So... This is an episode that is uh, interesting for both of us. So like we said before, we wanted to start this podcast to A, you know, inform and educate Hoopers um, growing up into the game and make sure they have a certain game that we didn't grow up with. The other part, which is kind of more fun and entertaining half to where they will, you know, have the barbershop debates and talks that, you know, we always have. And today's going to be the episode, man. So. Um, we we were thinking, man. They say the mid range is dead, and you know most stuff. Nobody just dies on accident. Like it's usually somebody committing a crime, you know, homicide or whatever, to kill something. You know, that's kind of a morbid start to this episode. But I promise you, it's not that dark. But uh, the question we're gonna start think about for today is: Did Steph Curry kill the mid range? It's just an interesting thought to have because he is the face or one of the main faces of the league right now. And he's been championed as the best shooter of all time. So somebody had to kill the mid-range, man. And was Steph Curry the culprit at hand? So I want to get your thoughts on that, man. Do you think Steph Curry is to blame for the mid-range being dead right now? Um, I do definitely think it has a lot to do with Steph, but I don't want to say Steph is the main reason for that. But, like, Steph is a huge reason. I'm not, I'm not going to lie about that. Steph is a huge reason the mid-range is not, like, as prominent because, obviously, you know, him being the best shooter in the world and the way he changed the game of basketball to shift more to the three-ball more than to being about getting into the paint or getting to the mid-range. Um. Of course, we all know how much he influenced the, the basketball world when it comes to the three-pointer. But uh, if I really had to if I really had to pinpoint a reason for uh, – if I had to really pinpoint a reason for the reason uh, – I mean, for the – I'm sorry. If I had to pinpoint a reason for the recent increase in threes and the, the like, minimization of, of the mid-range, it would have to be more towards the, the rule changes – from those times, like we all know, like the '80s, '90s, the like real rough, rugged physical basketball that they played back then, hand checking, yeah. grabbing each other, like knocking each other out the air, and it'd be like a regular call. It's not, it's not a flagrant. It's like I, I used to could like the Bad Boys Pistons mm-hmm. in the '80s used to knock Michael Jordan out the air, and it yep. was just like it's not. There's no such thing as flagrant. It's like all right, Mike, get on two free throws. Yeah, it's like that used to be. That's how it used to be. But now if Andre Drummond knocks Steph Curry out there, Andre Drummond not coming back to this game. Like yep. 
you got to get up out of here, buddy. Like, we're not doing that no more. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I think the, the changes in the rules, like not allowing me to put my hands on you as a defender and stuff like that, or really even guard – I really can't even guard you chest up. I have to stay positioned, like hands mm-hmm. out, chest back, everything. If I put my chest forward into you, that's considered blocking. Like I'm yeah. pushing you forward. So uh, those rule changes make it a lot easier to get that shot off because now it's like now instead of me pressuring you and like touching you, make sure you can't get a clean look. Now it's like I give you a little bit of daylight. And Steph Curry has like Steph, Steph Curry obviously has been like the the pinnacle of like don't give me space. Yeah, it's like you you playing great defense, like you playing perfectly legal. Defense and position right where you need to be, but it's for Steph Curry. That's too much space. Mm-hmm. So now, and his shot shot release so quick, you're never gonna block it. How many times have you ever seen Steph Curry get blocked on the jump? And this was like last second. They knew he was gonna throw it up. Rarely, if ever. Yeah, exactly, because his shot so quick, like one of the quickest releases ever that I've ever seen. So now it's like he he dribbles. He he the master shooting off the dribble. He's master shooting off screens move while moving and everything. So now it's like, all right, I already can't put my hands on you, pressure you while you're dribbling. I have to give you a little bit of space. Now you're going to run around the screen, catch the ball, go the other way, cross back. I, I can't touch you to make sure you don't get away from me. Now, mm-hmm. guess what? Too much space. Shot release too quick. Shot going up. It's just that little sliver of daylight is enough for somebody like Steph Curry. And so – the rule changes has really been, I feel like, is the main reason behind that, behind that recent shift from the mid-range to the three. Because back in those days, back in the days of the 80s, you know, I had to get by you to shoot. But I had to get by you. Because yeah. you could already hand-check me. So if I get by you, pull up real quick before you get back in position, great, good mid-range shot. But that that ain't the case no more. I'm going for the three. I got the, I got the daylight for the three. So I'm going for the three. And I think that's that's one of the main reasons for that. Okay, so kind of like what you talked about, man, like it's been a huge change in the game over the years. And so starting with, I'm going to start with the 70s a little bit, because I think in 76, I think, was the merger between the ABA and NBA, somewhere around that time. And uh, starting off with Dr. J, you know, with the prime time of the league being born, you know, he was the face of the NBA and played a big role with it. But the league took a huge leap after that with um, Bird and Magic. So you look at how the league w- was constructed during that time. You needed a point guard. And you needed a solid wing. And you needed a big. If you look at the history of the champions during that time, you had uh, mainly the Lakers. You had Magic Johnson at the point. Uh, James Worthy at the wing, Kareem at the big. You had the Celtics. You had Kevin McHale as the main big, even though you had Robert Parrish there as well. Larry Bird as the focal point as the wing. Then you had Dennis Johnson, Danny Ainge as your uh, guards. And looking at the 76ers, you had uh, not Mookie Blaylock. Who was it? Maurice Cheeks. He was a point guard at the time. You had Dr. J as the wing, and you had Moses Malone as the big. So the construction of those teams at the time was a very good point guard to facilitate and get everybody involved. 
a good to great wing, and you had a dominant big man. That was 80s and 70s, even back before that. Then transition to the 90s. You had a little gap there with two years with the Bad Boys Pistons from, was it 89 and 90 or 90-91? One of those two. So... It was uh, right before 90 because that's when <clears throat> Mike took over. Yeah, so it was 89 and 90. Talk about the Bad Boys Pistons. It was yeah. like the late 80s. Yeah. So they won in 89. Mike won 91, 92, 93. Yeah, so they won. Uh, <clears throat> they, won they won two rings, 89, 90. Yeah, yeah. And then 91 was the Jordan ship. So the Bad Boys Pistons came in, did their right. thing, and kind of interrupted that little, that little gap there. And Honestly, they played a big role with that, too, because they were ahead of their time. They had Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars as the front runners of the team. So that was mm-hmm. a nice jump for them to have a guard-dominant team surrounded by defense, basically. So that wasn't a league shift at the time. It was a important standpoint at the time, but we'll get back to that in a minute. So you had the 90s, mm-hmm. dominated by Jordan, where they shift the focus from a point wing big combo to having a solid wing play. So you had the Jordan uh, era ran by guards who could play well, shoot and defend mainly, dominant wings and bigs that could do their job. Basically, basically they were the same thing as the guards. So you had Ron Harper, Steve Kerr, John Paxson as the guards. Focal pointed by Jordan and Pippen at the wings. Then you had Luke Longley, Horace Grant, uh, Rodman, and uh, Ku Coach as your bigs. You know, so if you look at the format of the league during that time as well, you still had a couple bigs. It's still a, a great era for bigs, but during that time, the NBA is a copycat league, so they were trying to copy what the Bulls had. So they're trying to copy that as well as having the dominant wings. So you had Clyde Drexler doing his thing. You had um, Ron TMC for a few years. Reggie Miller was doing his thing around the time. So it's a little bit more wing heavy. And I think that birthed the era that we grew up with, with the 2000s to 2010, the Kobe, Tracy McGrady, AI, Gilbert Arenas, Vince Carter, to where you needed a wing that would score, dominate the ball, and wouldn't need, like you said before, with Jordan having not needing to get set up on his own. So I need a point guard to get me set up. I needed a point guard just to give me the ball and get out of the way. And you still need a big to still have that guard presence and still have the big presence. And so you had the Shaq and Kobe era. You had the um, <clears throat> still in transition period from that, but you had the Tim Duncan with whoever was around because that time they weren't the like, but they weren't there yet. Not early, not early. They're talking about the Kobe and Shaq era. So you still had oh, Tim Duncan, David Robinson. Yeah, yeah. So you still had the bigs. That was still mm-hmm. big Spurs. They didn't shift into the wing big combo yet. So early two thousands, that was the Kobe and Shaq era. <clears throat> So you had that, and you had uh, the Rock try to replicate that with T Mac and Yao. That's all I can think of right now. Then, like you said, you had the Spurs come in with uh, Manu, Tony, and Duncan. 
And so throughout that time, you had people trying to replicate the Kobe and Shaq dominant duo, big wing. Keto Turkaloo and Dwight Howard. I give you one. They tried to replicate people, with that. People forget how good Hito Turkaloo was. Hito Turkaloo was a bucket. And he was ahead of his time, too, because he was like 6'10. Yeah, he was. If he played right now, he'll be he'll be kind of close to what um what's his name? Dang it. Uh 6'10 wing can shoot. He not not KD, obviously, but he'll be kind of close to similar to what we think about um kind of like Luca a little bit without as ball dominant. Similar to Luca. Like a less yeah, ball dominant Luca. Luca. Yeah. Cause he was he was basically a point forward. That could score, he could shoot the ball well enough to, you know, at least during the time that time he shoot the ball well enough. So, like you said, they try to replicate that. Yeah, in many yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, remember, he don't hit that shot before LeBron hit the shot, her around the world, the buzzer beater against Orlando. He don't hit the shot right before that, and yeah. it was like, oof, yeah. <laughs> the game was over. And then Bron yeah. hit his amazing shot, but you know that I just want to throw that little two cents in there. But go ahead, favorite, finish your point. Yeah, yeah. So uh, during the era that we grew up with, you needed a wing and a big. If not both, one or the other. So you still had the Tim Duncan arrow. He was holding it down for a few years by himself. Ray Allen was holding it down by himself. He had Rashad Lewis for a few years in Seattle. And he went to Milwaukee. It was um, bogey, you know. And then during this time, the late – 2010s and around the area, you start seeing a decline in the big man and an increase in the guard force. So 2010s mm-hmm. to now, the most recent 10 years, you start seeing a push for more uh, guard and wing play. So that's when LeBron really came into play. D-Wade came into play more. D-Wade and Shaq was still the Kobe and Shaq, you know, replicate. Um, True. You started seeing the Steph Curry, Dame, Trey, Kyrie's of the world come out to play more. So that's how the generations kind of went through of how the game has been played as far as how GMs constructed it. So I think that was the a part of it. And so when you look at how that's constructed, you got to think about how the game's being played now from our eyes. So you see that you have a seven-footer in the game now. I have two options because I'm not going to keep going against Shaq down low. Like you said before, the game was I drive in, Jordan getting his head cut off to where, okay, I'm going to go small ball like they did with the Suns, Steve Nash, uh, March of the March, seven seconds or less. That was kind of the birthplace for what the game is now. So you look at that to where seven seconds or less and that's going like this, I can't afford to have a slow seven footer in the game. I'm going to take the big seven-footer out and put somebody else in that can guard Amar Stoudemire. So we're running now. And so with the way we grew up playing the game as a guard, at some point in time, you're going to get tired of getting your shot blocked from these layups. So you're either going to develop that mid-range pull-up or develop a floater. And so you can still score without having a three-point shot. And so I think that oh, as you man. look at how it's constructed, the basketball IQ kicked in to where, okay, I can't score against a seven-footer. I'm going to stop mid-range. Take that seven footer out now. So now my game has made more sense when you drive in now. And so I think that kind of shifted the game some to where the roster construction played a big role with how we saw the game and 
how to score. And so I think that played a big role, at least from a common sense standpoint, the basketball IQ common sense standpoint. If there's no big in the game, we're taught to drive straight in, get the easiest bucket possible. So how do you feel about that, man? I think that was the not the biggest role, but one of the main things that played a role with it. I see what you're saying, but like at the same time, it's like, okay, you said the bees were more dominant. And then early on, you know, that you you was a small guy, you came into the paint, you know, they could they take you out. So I kind of feel that part of it, but uh as we as we went away from the rules like the early two thousands, later on into the uh twenty close to the twenty tens, like we was drifting away from them rules or where you could just take somebody out, but the bees were still kind of relevant. But um I just don't think I think the thing is like you said, all right, they got big seven footers in the game, so now I gotta stop me. And if they take the seven foot out, I, I can go all the way to the rim. But I, I don't think that's like that's not a guaranteed thing. You know what I'm saying? Like Amari Stoudemire still can block the average point guards level. You know what I'm saying? I don't think guards I think guys like LeBron and Dwayne Wade or somebody may may look at like, oh, okay, the big not in the game, I can get all the way to the rack. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think that's the difference between a mid and a, a layup or a three-pointer and a mid-ranger. You know what I'm saying? Like, because, like, I don't know if you, heard, you ever heard the story about uh, – I think Gilbert has told this on his podcast or where um, close to the fourth quarter he get a nod to his coach. Like, like he gives a nod to his coach, and his coach takes out um, Anderson Verizal. And because they took out Anderson Verizal, Gilbert Arenas' coach takes out Brendan Haywood for the Wizards. And now LeBron is just like attacking the rim, going full force at the rim. So that kind of makes sense for guys like him that can like bulldoze their way to the rim. But I don't think guards look at it that way. Like I don't think Mike was looking at uh shoot Patrick Ewan and was like, all right, we need to I'm I'm gonna stop for this mid-ranger because Patrick Ewan in the paint. Mike was trying to dunk on Patrick Ewan, you know what I'm saying? Like, and he did. Yeah. <laughs> Scotty too. So so I just I think that's the thing is like uh it may be slightly easier because like we don't have you don't have a seven foot in the game, but seven footers been getting attacked on, been getting poked on, things like yeah. that. I just think I just think if I, I have the like I was saying, the rule chain, me having the ability to handshake you, you don't have the ability to just get a clean shot off now. Unless you just get it wide open off a screen or something like that, off off ball screen. But like if you got the ball in your hand and I can handshake you. It's hard to get a, a quick look like that, an easy look. But like case in point, um, the we all remember the video of Allen Iverson crossing over Michael Jordan mm-hmm. when he played for the Wizards, right? It's now like that. Mike got his hand on. No, I, I thought it was the Wizards at that time. Nah, was, I promise you, I looked at uh, earlier today. It was still the Bulls. Oh, okay. Well, you you know the. Yeah, Mike got his hand like on like I on like AI stunt basically or like right next to his chest trying to wait on the crossover. When when AI hit him with the pop up the double cross, Mike switched hands with the other hand on because in his mind he think he can cross back and he can like guide him with that other hand. What yeah. AI do? Bam! A long a long crossover, the long AI crossover. Now Mike bite on it because it's like, oh, he going this way. Bam. Now he beat off the cross. AI pull up over the top. Easy. 
Like, cause that now I, with the, with the hand shit, my point is with the hand shit, I have to create my shot. It's like I have to, I have to rock you to sleep, make a move. Now I can shoot. Yeah. I'm not doing that from the three though. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna be able to rock you to sleep, cross for the three. I'm gonna rock you to sleep, get by you with one one of these moves. I'm either gonna hesitate or uh, I'm gonna in and out you. Whatever I got to do to create a little bit of space, and I'm taking the mid range because that's that's I can get that over you now. So I can create space for the mid. Now it's like with the, with the changes, I can't put my hands on you. I have to give you some space. Now you got a little bit of space off, off the rip. Like if I if I start guarding you on ball, I not say I can't press you, but <clears throat> you're gonna start out with a little bit of space in the first place. Now, if you come off a screen or something, now you definitely gonna have space unless I'm grabbing you. Because you know, back in the day, they grabbing guys, shorts coming off the screen, something like that, whatever. Yeah. yeah. If I can't do that. I'm, it's like I'm forced to give you some kind of daylight. And, you know, it's not saying it ain't going to be tough. Like, the average person can't just, you know, throw something up off the screen. But guys have realized that now. It's like the, the, the game is like the basketball evolution. We we see, oh, okay, if I come off this, if I make this action off the screen, I'm going to have this look nine times out of ten. And that's what we work on. So it's like you were trying to say, like, you, you I know you just told some of your players, like, in the game – you're going to get the ball here. You can do this. You're going to be here, and you're going to be able to do this. Everything, we work towards what we're going to do in the game. I know Steph Curry was probably in the gym with uh, his dad. You know, his dad was a great shooter in his time. He probably was in his dad. I know his dad in total age, son. When you come off the screen, you're going to have this look right here. Be ready to shoot it. And then they working it off the drill. Uh, I mean, off the drill every time. Cone work. Cone work, skill work. Easy. And so – that turned into becoming Steph Curry. I mean, obviously, he had to put a tremendous amount of work in and some God-given talent. But we see what Steph Curry did with it after after the rule changes. And now we it's like the, the world realized, like, okay, this this is the way now. Then we see Steph winning. We see Steph unanimous MVP. Realize, like, dang, this is the, this is the way of success. Like, oh, okay, I can, I can pull up from this deep and – if it's going in, ain't nobody gonna say nothing to me. Word, say no more. I'm gonna work on this 40 footer. I'm gonna work on these logo threes, all that. And you know that kind of started with Gilbert Arenas. I think Gilbert Arenas first got to take deep threes because he knows the defense not guarding him that far out. So now I'm shooting out there from deep. Now it's like, okay, you 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 had to pick me up at half court. Like yep. you got to guys like Damian Lillard, Steph Curry. Shoot, Kevin Durant, James Harden, you gotta guard me from almost half court, or I'm pulling this thing. Cause you go, you, I, that's too much space, and I'm willing to shoot this. And so, I just think that's the main thing, bro. Like, like you said, you know, the beings might have something to do with it, but I think more is more of a, all right, you can't put your hands on me. I'm, I'm, I'm probably gonna get all the way to the rim type stuff, or I'm gonna take this three. And anybody that ever guarded a great shooter, you know. It's hard to guard a good shooter if he got a little quickness to him, cause you gotta go. You gotta be so close to him every time. Now it's like I'm closing out too hard, and then on the hard closeout, rip through, gone. Pump fake, I didn't jump, gone. And you know how it is, man. Like anybody that got to guard a good shooter, you know, like it. A good shooter can get to the paint better than most paint drivers because I didn't. I didn't ran out of him and jumped off the pump fake because I know how good he can shoot. Now all of a sudden, JJ Reddick gets to the rim. So it's just one of them things, man. Like the, the rule changes really affected the way we play defense. And now the three ball is the open shot rather than me having to work to get to the mid-range and create space. I think that the rule change was a, a big thing 
do you would you count analytics as part of the rules like the the stats and stuff would you count that as part of the being the rule change in your eyes like do i think they looked at the analytics and realized they need to change the rules so when you are uh because, you know, the Rockets were the face of the analytics shift. I don't know if they were the first ones. I don't think they were the first ones. But I think they were the face of it where, excuse me, they went through the, the stats and they looked at how the quality of a percentage of a shot. So they looked at the three-point shot. I don't know wrong. They had the three-point shot being the highest quality shot you can get and also the layup being the highest quality shot you can get. So at some point, they discovered that a mid-range was, was an inefficient shot. And... They had the brilliant idea to say, look, let's why not make the higher percentage of our shots as much as we can make those be the highest quality, quote unquote, highest quality shots would be a three point shot or a layup. And so, like I said before, the GM construction played a role with that. So they looked at that and said, OK. By us having a big man in the game that cannot shoot a three and cannot drive to the goal, let's remove him from that. So they took him out. They put in another guy who could either shoot the three or drive to the goal. That's kind of where the running gun sons came in. So Amari said he wasn't – Amari wasn't a three-point shooter, but he had four guys around him who were great three-point shooters, or at least good enough at that time. And so by them – I guess I wouldn't count that as rule now that I think about it. But by them having that construction of small ball – that would take out a big man, like the Houston Rockets took that the set the uh, Phoenix Suns blueprint, and they put that on steroids to where they said, okay, we're going to have six, seven, six, eight, and below throughout the whole game now. So you have six, seven, uh, PJ Tucker playing center, where you have Trevor Reza playing power forward. Uh, Gerald Green playing small for James Harden and Chris Paul or Westbrook as the guard. And that's that's a very weird thing to look at. You know, the, the Suns used to have Boris Diaw at 6'8 as their center. Kurt Thomas was a center at 6'9, but he was more tra- traditional big. Amar Stoudemire was 6'9, 6'10. Sean Marion was 6'7, 6'8. And so you look at how the rosters were constructed, they were built to be more of a running gun deal. Tyson Chandler can't run like that. KG was seven foot, but he still wasn't – he's no Anthony Davis like he is now. You know what I mean? Giannis like they are now. Like, he's great, don't get me wrong. Definitely during his time, but compare him to what we see right now, it's a, it's a slight difference. So I think that the analytics played a huge role with that too, where the GMs looked at that and they started constructing the rosters. I think the rule changes also played a big role with that too because, like you said, you can't handshake me now, so that's where the rule change of cuffing and being able to the gather step and the zero step and all these other little minute details that are added now. The James Harden step back became a bigger thing. You had the double step back, so I step back another step back. All the questions now you see every every other train on Instagram or whatever talking about is this a travel? Is this a travel? Is this a travel? Because all the rule changes opened up to where creativity and scoring was allowed to happen more. The bigs aren't the sexiest thing to look at when you are trying to score. Nobody wants to see catch post up for five minutes like Charles Barkley used to do and then finally go score. So I think the rule changes with that played a role in how the game has shifted now. 
So you look at how, like we said before, 90s and back, even early 2000s and back, it was more you had some type of post game with your big man. So you throw the ball down to Tim Duncan. He used to go to work on the post or turn face up uh, off the uh, backboard mid-range. So I think the rule changes there as far as allowing guards more freedom and creativity played a big role to a certain extent with the mid-range being more obsolete because that boogie that you used to have, you see, like you said, AI used to dance with uh, the ball in the mid-range. I'm going to dance, but I'm either going to dance and step back now like James Harden for the three, or I'm going to dance and get to the goal or for layup because it made no sense for me to step, do all this dancing and go mid-range. So I think that the rules played a role with it, but I think a little bit more of it had to do with the analytics part of it. So what do you say about that, brother? I say um, I still think I still think the rule changes. But shoot, part of the <laughs> part of the rule changes is them step backs that you were talking about. The step backs, the zero steps, all that. Like part of that is rule changes too. But we can call that the James Harden rule. But I I, I kind of want to stick to like talking about like the hand checking and stuff like that because like I don't think people realize how difficult it is to score when you get hand checked. Like, go to a park nowadays and hand check somebody and see what they say. Like, dude, hand check it. Like, dude, like dudes cannot handle that nowadays, bro. Like, they will get mad. You'll, you'll darn near start a fight over some over hand checking. If you do it consistently, because, like, you can't dribble. It's hard to dribble for some guys. So, like, um, I just think – I think that um, – when it came to that, I had to really make an effort to get by you. And, like, I'm not going to make this extra effort to get by dude hand-checking me and then also go down here and make a layup on the big if I'm a small guy. If I'm some guy like Mike or Scotty who can dunk on somebody, you know, Braun, any of those guys who can get down here and just finish on anybody, like, I'm not worried about no big then, you know, you can do that. But I don't think AI was that guy. But I think of AI when I think about this kind of rule. Because like, I feel like AI was the kind of guy you had to hand check. Yeah. Like, with his handles and stuff, I don't think if, like, if AI played today, with his handles, he'd be Kyrie Irving. It'd be similar to Kyrie Irving. Yeah. But, like, think about how great Kyrie Irving is now. Kyrie could go off 30 or 40 some nights because he can he, – he dancing with you. I, I might take this if you back up too far. I'm dance with you, you step back for the mid. I'm like dance with you, cross you, get to the rim, reverse that thing. Got he got all this a perfect touch on the ball. I just don't think I don't think bigs being in the game is stopping that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think the Lakers having Andre Drummond is gonna stop Kyrie Irving from getting the lead or Anthony Davis. So like I don't think Joel and B in the game is stopping Kevin Durant from getting all the way to the rim. Like, even though these guys can take the meat and they will sometimes, like, I just don't think a big is stopping. I think they, they're accustomed to bigs being in the game either way because they, they've just been on that level. Because, like, they had to play some bigs. It's not like bigs are never in the game. Mm-hmm. But, and every team got at least a seven-footer. Like, he might not start, but he's going to play some good minutes. Mm-hmm. And every team got a seven-footer. It's not – I don't think nobody's looking at it like, all right, they still got Tyson Chandler in the game. I can't really get all the way to the paint unless it's just open. Or they got Dwight Howard in the game. I can't get all the way to the rim. No, I don't think nobody's looking at that. Like, 
and, and like I do this nowadays on pickup. Like, so I know if I'm doing it on my level, I know they're doing it on their level. Guys like Bron and them, they're not even looking at their first defender. The first defender is irrelevant. Like, yeah. I know you can't guard. I'm looking at the guy behind you. Like, or if I post you up, like Shaq said this. Shaq said he catch the ball. He's going to take one dribble that ain't really for nothing. It's just to see if they're going to come down with the double because they're not going to double the post till you dribble. Yep. So they take your dribble away. Yep. So he said the first dribble, he take, he look around, see if the double coming. Then the second one, he finna put that shoulder into you, you're going to move. You're going to feel mm-hmm. it. And now I'm finna, now you know, so you, this Shaq Diesel we talking about, now I'm finna kill you. Yep. It's like, it's one of them things, man. Like, I'm, I'm not even, like, the help is the only thing I'm even really looking at. So, I it's just one of them things, like, okay, like, nobody, nobody right here is going to stop me. So, I just need to see if the paint is open, period. It ain't even about, like, who in the game. It's like, can I get to the rim? Is somebody already sitting in help? Like, I know I ain't going to be able to get to the rim behind past them or something. Or is the paint open and I'm, I'm going to just have to make the move to get to the rim? So I think it's just that is one of them things. And now I can't handshake somebody like Bron. Crazy. Bron gonna get in your chest, bump you with that shoulder, you gonna move, and he gonna finish with either hand. So either your big finna come across the paint. That's why they got room by defense three seconds, so you can't just sit a seven foot under the rim all day. That that take away from the game. Like imagine if Shaq could just sit in the paint and then the other big can't shoot. And if the big, like, come try to pull Shaq up, guess what? You're not going to get the ball because nobody's going to be able to throw you the ball from the three-point line all the way down to the middle of the paint. It's not going to reach that far, especially you holding off somebody as big as Shaq. That's part of the rules. It's like, okay, like, I, I, if the help is already sitting there in the lane to, in, my, in, my, in my path, I'm not getting there. It's just one of them things. So I think that for – Kind of going back to what I said when I first point with the GM construction and how. So look at how the old Rockets were set up when they had Dream and they had Ralph Sampson. You had two seven footers that were shot blockers, right? Usually as a guard, I'm not trying to go up against them. So mid-range was a necessary tool to have. Like I'm not trying to keep going in and figure out ways to get around seven footers. You had Tim Duncan and uh, Big Robson. I'm not trying to keep going to seven footers the whole time. I'm not trying. I'm not doing that. If I'm AI, if I'm Tim Hardaway, Isaiah Thomas, I'm going to get in where I fit in with finishing. But for the most part, I'm pulling up mid-range. And I think that that construction of how, like I said, during that time shift, you start seeing less dynamic duo bigs in the games where you know, the setup used to be you had a seven-foot center and you had like a 6'10 and up powerful right behind them. Excuse me, used to have KG at the four, Tim, I mean, uh, what's his name? Dirk Nowitzki at the four. You had Eric Dampier at the five for bully ball. You had Ke- uh, Kendrick Perkins at the five for bully ball. So you always had that. Uh, you can go back to the Spurs. We had Tim Duncan at the four sometimes. And you had uh, Nazir Muhammad and the plethora of bigs that he had backing him up, you know, even Kurt Thomas at some point. So you had a finesse four, but a big five, but they were still 6'10 up seven foot. So like you said, hand check, I had to get through this hand checking, but then I had to see two seven footers out there behind that rim. I'm stopping shot. I'm stopping and popping mid range. I'm not going to keep building, building my body up to get beat up by these seven footers. I'm just tired of it, you know? So 
I think how the construction was set up of two seven footers or a seven footer and a six ten guy or a six eleven guy changed the game as far as shoot for three. Do I shoot mid range? Do I shoot um, layups? So okay, you take a seven footer out. It's not going to bully me up. And kind of with the rule change, like you were saying, how um, the flagrant over time became a different thing. Like I said, a flagrant now will be a personal yeah. file back in the day. So that rule change, I think, played a bigger role with it. But that also shifted the GM construction. So if I can't foul you the same way, why would I have a guy on my roster that can't give those fouls? So you stop seeing the, the chief of police, you stop seeing the Charles Oakley's that were only there to give hard fouls to touch you up a little bit. You saw less of those guys over time. You start seeing more guys who actually had actually actually had to have a skill to be on his team and play on the floor. So you start seeing more guys who were able to at least shoot a corner three, at least three and D, a Bruce Bowen type, the uh, Patrick Beverly, if you can shoot threes better. You know what I mean? P.J. Tucker is a great example. You start seeing more and more guys who were skilled and had some level of skill to the game rather than foul, Mr. Foul on my roster and Mr. Uh, bully Ball down low. So I think that roster construction played a big role with that versus the rule change. I think it kind of goes hand in hand, but if I had to pick one of those two, I think the rule change was a step back versus the roster construction, if that makes sense. Okay, but all right, let me ask you this. What was the last championship team to not have an all-star power forward or center? Even if they were smaller. Let's just think about the last team that won without all-star power forward or center. We kind of say Toronto with Pascal Siakam last year, or two years ago, I mean, but Pascal Siakam is all-star now. Like that year he wasn't where he is the following year. And, you know, the Warriors, you still got Draymond Green, even though he's an undersized big, he guards big. He guards bigger than his size. So he guarding other teams big. Before that, we had Cleveland with Kevin Love, all-star big, even if you don't want to consider him being that great. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, we had uh, San Antonio with Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. Before that, we had Miami with Chris Bosh. Before Miami, we had Dirt and Biscuit. Before then, we had uh, – Al with Lakers. Kobe Powell with Kobe. For then we had KG and uh, Kendrick Perkins with the Celtics. Mm-hmm. It's like there, there's like there's no team that have not had at least one All Star big. Even if he ain't the biggest big, he's a, a power forward or a center. He guarding the other team power forward or center. And so, like I just so that's why I don't give that the credit. Like there's always gonna be a big like playing on the championship team. Like, you still need size. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that on one of my individual statements later on um, in the future, where you, we still need that size. We still need that that presence of a big man. So I don't think – you you brought up, like, the P.J. Tuckers of the world and things like that. It's like, where did the Rockets go playing that small ball stuff? They had P.J. Tucker at the five, and they getting bounced down in the first round. The Suns got – Hall of, not Hall of Fame, I mean, he's Hall of Fame, but I was going to say MVP, Steve Nash, and Amar Stoudemire playing small ball, and they're they not getting to the finals. We This is like one of the things, like that small ball stuff, I don't believe in that. Like Because anybody that watches the NBA regularly knows in, in playoffs, the game slows down. So the fast-paced play that you had earlier, 
we slowing all of that in the playoffs. It's just oh, I really can't explain why it even is because like I just don't understand. But the playoffs slow the game down. It's like we we not doing this running. We you gonna have to learn some half court offense, and we are gonna take our time doing everything. And we gonna guard and playoffs. They gonna guard like the defense. The defensive intensity is is intensified in the playoffs. It's like guys not just letting you blow by them. Guys gonna come over and hit because you know that'd be like the main thing in the NBA. It's like all right, you know, guys might be tired. Hey, we didn't been on a road trip. We didn't play four or five on the road. Guy blow by me. He just blow by me. Or if I'm supposed to be in hill, I let him have that little, let him have that dunk. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm not trying to get dunked on tonight type stuff. And so they let them have it. But in the playoffs, like, no, we going all out. You're going to guard. We're going to sit, like, we sit down. we guard. We're going to break out them weaknesses in your game. Oh, you got P.J. Tucker at the five? All right, P.J., you going to guard Andre Drummond tonight. Mm-hmm. Tonight you guard seven foot, 260, 270. We're going to see how you handle it. Uh, like, it's just, it's just I, I don't believe in the small ball thing. So I don't think. I don't think we'll ever truly get rid of the big man. Like, even bees that aren't necessarily like – like, there'll never be another Shaq, of course. There'll never be, like, another David Robinson. Yeah. Those, those bees – like, don't, that's not the era we live in anymore. We, you need a, your bees do need to be somewhat skilled. You can't just sit on the block no more. But at the same time, you still need size. Size for defense, size for rebound and all of that. Like – and then the and the Rockets. Let's take the Rockets for example. With they small ball era, they had no big, no nothing, and nobody over six seven in the whole lineup. And no, and wonder why they the last defense in the league. Like, and folks were talking about Mike D'Antoni. It was like, all right, he don't coach defense. He an offensive coach, stuff like that. Like, defense still win championships, and you need a little bit of size for that. And so. I think with that, I, 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 that's why I, I can't give all that credit. I think we, so. Go ahead. Let's go the past ten years, right? So, twenty ten was Lakers, Lakers back to back. You know, Lakers, Mavericks, uh, Heat, Heat, Heat back to back. Yep. Spurs, uh, Spurs, Warriors, Warriors, Cavs, Warriors, Warriors, Cleveland, Cleveland, yep. L.A. Toronto. No, Toronto. LA. So like you said, look at the rosters of the bigs there. So we had um Pal Gasol, skilled finesse big. Right. Uh who was next? Dirt, skilled finesse big. You look at the Heat, Chris Bosch. Bosch. You look at the who's next? Warriors. Draymond first. Green was first. the first, first, first. You had Tim Duncan. And who else was there? Then the Warriors. So Warriors. Well, that was at, Tony, Mondo's, and Tim. So, yeah, they won. They won one. That one time. championship. That was, yeah, one. So that was the main of the Kawhi year. And Kawhi Leonard was there. That was the Kawhi year. So, um, yeah. You look at Tim Duncan was the big there. You look at the Warriors, where you had Draymond Green as the main big, focal big. Uh, the all-star bit, like you were saying. Yeah. And you look at um, the Cavs, Kevin Love, Warriors again, Draymond Green. You look at Toronto, Siakam. And you look at Lakers with Anthony Davis, right? None of those bigs 
besides Tim, like the KG, Tim Duncan, Falgasaw, they fit the old generation that we used to have. But as you progress forward from the Warriors on, except Kevin Love, those guys are the new era of big men. Draymond Green's not a shot blocker. They had JaVale McGee a year. They had um, Mo Spates during that time. They had uh, another big, uh, Jermaine O'Neal, old school big. So during that time, you started seeing a shift in how the bigs are playing. You're not having a solidified shot blocker in the game. Now I'm talking about starting, but I'm talking about actually who's finishing the game. The Heat years, Chris Bosh was the five. It was Bosh, LeBron, Wade, Ray Allen, Mario Chalmers. Bosh was the five. The running gun Spurs, Amar Stoudemire was that five. The, even the Spurs, the Spurs that we talked about championship. The Spurs? No, listen, listen, listen. Tim Duncan was the five for that team, right? No, I'm saying you said the Spurs. You said the Spurs and then Amar Stoudemire. That's what I'm saying. Oh, my bad, my bad. Suns, my bad, my bad. Um, yeah. So the running yeah. gun, Suns, Amar Stoudemire was the five then. Mm-hmm. You look at the Spurs, they had Tim Duncan as the five. And Tim uh, Pop got killed, remember, because game six when Bosch had that putback, I mean, the uh, rebound he got to Ray Allen, he mm-hmm. took uh, Duncan out. He got killed for that, right? So I'm not saying the big man, as far as the construction of it, is dead. I'm saying look at in totality of it. So you used to have uh, uh, David Robinson, seven foot, Tim Duncan, seven foot, to six eight small forward, to six six two guard, to the six two point guard. Now you're taking one of those bigs out and you put another six eight guy in there. Spread the floor. So if you're going pick and roll, I'm going to have my point guard up top. More than likely, I'm going to take that one shot blocker now. So I'm going to take Tim Duncan, move him to the pick and roll now. I'm going to take uh, Pau Gasol. He used to have the two bigs with Bynum and Gasol. So you take Bynum out, Gasol's your five now. I'm running pick and roll with my five to get Bynum, I mean, Gasol up here. So out that pick and roll, if he switches, it's me and Gasol one-on-one. Barbecue chicken alert every time. Nine out of ten times, they're getting killed. Or he's going to try to uh, hedge and try to get back over that screen. But how fast things are going, that's going to take up too much time to try to get back over that screen. That's why everybody's switching now. So by the time he's trying to get back over that screen, I already pulled up for the three. So by me having the speed advantage of my five being technically a four now, those switches become quicker. So you're trying to put your traditional big in, it's not going to work now. So they took that five out and put that four in the five spot. So now you have the four spread. So now I don't need a mid-range shot when I can either pick and roll, lob to my big, or I can finish myself, or I'm going to stop and pull this three. So I think that's where the roster construction played a role with shifting out from needing that mid-range. Now, overall, these students, I believe that the mid-range happens here and there, but I think having that big taken out now to where Used to look in the paint and seeing two seven footers. Now I don't see one. How can I get that one big out the paint? Either I can move that um, that person he's guarding to a three point line, or I can move him to me with pick and roll. So then GMs got smarter, or coach got smarter with that and reconstructed how the lineups went. So instead of having my big down low for the dump off or the drop off box, like I like I like to call it, I have him come to the top for the pick and roll now. Pick and roll if he stays. ISO ball, or I give it to my big. Or we switch, still ISO ball, and I kill him. 
Because then that's where the roster construction comes into play where now you have to look at how you're lining up your rosters. So do I keep two bigs in now? No, I have to take one out. So you're going from two shot blockers down to one. Now on the guards, man, like we would talk, I'm I'm eating that all day. That's barbecue chicken alert from beginning to end. Now, like you said before, Pippen and Jordan, it's not going to deter me as much. But if 10 times a drive to the goal, half of those I only see one big versus two, my odds of driving in are a lot higher. So that's how I see, at least from my perspective as a guard, from the shot blocking roster construction, from having two shot blockers. I'm not seeing Dream and Ralph Sampson anymore. I'm not going in there. I'm stopping mid-range or I'm staying out for three. You take one of those guys out, now my odds of me wanting to drive in is a lot higher now. Now you take that plus how the roster construction is now with more three-point shooting. I only have two options now. I'm either going to stop for three because you're going to stay back because you come too far out. I'm driving past you. Or you sit back far enough, I'm going to shoot it. Or I'm going to get it to my big off the pick and roll. So I think that's where the roster construction comes in. I'm not saying the big man is completely taken out. I'm saying the percentage of how I see the game as a guard coming off that pick and roll or driving in now, I'm driving in. I want to see one shot blocker. Oh, you made my job 10% easier now. So I'm saying the odds of me looking at how to score changes from one big man, one big man and one shot blocker to two now is different. So that's why I see the roster change being a little bit more important than the rules. Mm. I mean, you make some good points. I ain't gonna lie, but uh, I guess my, my last, this will be my last thoughts on it. I just say, um, when it comes to things like this, like when I say like the rule changes and guys get into the lane, like I can't just like, I can't knock Steph Curry out the air. And Steph get to the paint. Everybody knows Steph got the high flow layup, you know, or the high, like the high floaters, whatever. Like his layups are crazy. His package is crazy. Guys are also more skilled now. Kyrie Irving layup package crazy. Uh, Zach Levine layup package crazy. Stuff like that. It's more players, more athletic players that can dunk on you, take all just dunk nowadays than it was back then. And so, and we and we all know the scoring. The scoring is like. The percentage of scores we have nowadays is way higher than when we like guys were getting handshake. Like, all right, so let me, I, I got the stats for this. Mm-hmm. So in the 2010 11 season, 20 players averaged 20 points a game or higher. 20 players out the whole 30 team league. I mean, some teams didn't even have nobody averaging 20. Now, today, this season, is 43 players currently averaging 20-plus points a game. And if I am mistaken, I want to say Brad Beal averaging 30. Somebody, somebody averaging 30. Either way, 43 players averaging 20 points per game, more than double what it was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and 10 years ago, we, like we, those were like the last remnants of like real tough defense. Like Those were like the last bits of that. And so now it didn't kind of fizzle out and guys have gone from being great defenders to being great scorers. Like in back in the days of like the early 2000s, it was a like you took pride in being a great defender. You know what I'm saying? 
Like yeah. there were great defenders that took pride in that. Ron Artis, Mike, uh, not Mike Conley, uh, Tony Allen. I just uh, say, oh my god, guys, of that, yeah, guys of that nature, like that took pride in that. Nowadays, how many guys in the league that is just like, man, he take pride in his defense? Pat Beverly, Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so there, there aren't many guys now that take pride in being great defenders. Their pride is more in scoring the ball, shooting the ball, dunking on people, like finishing. The pride is on the offensive side now. And the rules have allowed that. That's where it comes from. Back when I can handshake you, I'm on Tony Allen. I can't shoot. Oh, what? Okay, I can't shoot. But you ain't going to shoot when we get on the other <laughs> end. You're not yep. getting by me. Like, when we, when you got to come down here, too, and you better yep. not touch the ball, or you're going to be in a, a Tony Allen version of hell. It's yep. like, it's one of those things. And so, and so I just think rules have made that the, the, the wave. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I used to take pride in my defense. And now, like now, it's like offensive league. Like the league is built offense. Like, and you know, like you said, you know, uh, the roster changes have helped with that somewhat because you know, bees are shooting more now. But I think that stems that also stems from the rule changes because it's like, okay, we got guys like Damian Lillard and stuff like that. Shoot, Kobe. We go back to Kobe. Kobe is a little bit older player. Obviously, you know, uh, he had been retired for some years, and you know, may he rest in peace. But as he transitioned, he was part of the transition for older days, the older generations in the 90s. He was like, he he came in right on the tail end of that and played on into the 2010s. And so even guys like Kobe, you can see him in that transition, like call for a screen to get the bid to come up, stuff like that. I heard Damian Lillard say this one time. He said, you can see young players Young guards in the league sometimes just call for a screen. Don't 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 care who says. Just like come screen me, come screen me, and they don't think about the who's gonna be the on the switch or, or who's going on that. Yep. And like you, that's one of the things you gotta learn being in the league. And he was like, if I'm playing the Warriors, I'm not calling for the screen for Draymond to switch off of me. I know Draymond's a pretty good defender. He can kind of move his feet, might be able to stay in front of me, make it tough for me. I'm gonna call for the screen for whoever Andrew Bogut is guard. May Bogut come guard. You no, know, his, yep. his feet are slow. He can't keep up. He he gonna be killed. Stuff like that. Like me knowing that you like. Hey, obviously, if I if I got Shaquille O'Neal like even back in the nineties, if I get the switch off on Shaq, you think Shaq just gonna let you blow by him? No, he gonna extend him arms. No, he got his wingspan gonna be over seven feet. You're not just gonna blow by him. You might be able to like you know lull him to sleep a little bit and then use your quickness or something, but you're not just gonna. Like one dribble get by, you know what I'm saying? So that's all I think that all stems from the rule changes. It's like, okay, guys can't handshake me, guys not taking pride in that defense no more. It's all about this offense, it's all about getting a bucket. And I can get a bucket, I'm, I'm gonna do it every day, all day. That's what guys look at it now. It's like, oh, it can't nobody really stop me if you're not putting your hands on me, you can't really stop me. For a lot of guys, a lot of these guys too quick or too shifty. Nowadays, that's a lot of guys in the league now. A lot of guys quick, a lot of guys shifty, and so a lot more than it was in the eighties, a lot more than it was in the nineties. Despite what people might want to believe, that people want to believe how, how great the eighties and nineties were, but in reality, like guys could not were not as skilled as they are now. Like that's just the evolution of things, and so we put that emphasis on being able to dribble, on being able to shoot, on being able to dunk on somebody, and so it's just that's just what it is now. 
And that I feel like that mostly stems from those group changes. All right. So, but that the last point. Last point. Yeah. So the last point I kind of wanted to bring up and uh, talk about was the how the business half of the NBA came to play with this. So, like we said before, Magic and Bird were the initial kind of birth that really gave the league their their first start. You, you always have somebody that's first, but it's rarely the first is going to be the greatest or the one that takes that next step. So the birth of the league was Dr. J. What really elevated it during that time was Magic and Bird that solidified them and brought them to another level. So from there, Bird and Magic couldn't do it on their own. They needed something else to take them to that next step. Out the blue from 92, after 92, Dream Team, Matt, I mean, Jordan comes into play, right? So right. after that, he was the poster child, the, the baby of David Stern that he loved and protected. So from then, you started seeing, you started to see um, the league shift from the love of a team to love of a player. Because, you know, growing up 90s and before, you rock with a team, and that was it. I don't care who your favorite player is. You might say, this person's my favorite player, but this is my favorite team. So you rock with that team to do or die. So growing up in the 80s, right. you, were, you were either Celtics or you were Lakers. Only two options that most people had would have been the 76ers and uh, I just lost it. Uh, 76ers or the, uh, the Knicks. Knicks. I lost like three times in that thought. So the Knicks. If one of those two, <laughs> if one of those two weren't playing, you either pulled for the Lakers or you pulled for the uh, Celtics. Only two options. So you ride down for your team, but because the Celtics just busted your head in the East Conference Finals, you either want like Alabama, Auburn down here. Some Auburn fans are like, well, we don't have a chance to compete, so I'm gonna root for home team, so I'm gonna go Alabama. Perfectly fine. I get that. Some people right. are so Alabama, I mean, so Auburn, I don't care what happens, as long as Alabama does not win, I'm good. Same thing on the other side right. of Alabama. That's how you feel. Some people are so Alabama, they they bleed crimson and white. So as long as Auburn doesn't win, I'm so I don't care who it is. It can be Clemson, it can be USC, it can be Florida, it can be Tennessee. As long as Auburn Tigers do not win a championship, I'm fine. So same thing in the NBA. I have my team, I'm right or die. But it's hard to shift in the 90s to where we care less about team and more about player. It came became my favorite player. And I think another part that played a role with that too is you start seeing players shift teams a lot more. There was no Reggie Miller staying on one team for 20 years. John Stockton staying on one team for 20 years. A lot of love to Tim Duncan, Dirk, and Kobe for staying there for either 20 years or close to 20 years, but that's not happening as much anymore. I don't think we will see that as much. And so with the branding shifting from team to player, you start seeing the focus on an individual player happen more. The way the focus on an individual player is to let the offense shine versus the defense. By me letting offense shine, like you said, I have to change the rules to say Jordan cannot be as great as he can by us seeing him getting knocked out every single game by the Pistons. So I changed the rules to there so Jordan can do his acrobatic layups and dunks. That gave birth to Kobe doing his thing, Penny doing his thing, Grant Hill doing his thing, to where the players are to shine more. 
So from there, that birth from Kobe, T-Mac, Vince Carter, AI, that era birth where we are now with the wings and guards and skills, Gilbert Arenas, Ray Allen, that birth where we are now, where the skills at an all-time high, to a certain extent, the skills at an all-time high where we're not seeing the same thing we saw in the 80s and early 90s. So the last question I'm going to ask you is which came first, the chicken or the egg? Did the rule change happen that caused the shift in focus of player, which changed the mid-range games, how we see it? Or did the players change to make the rules happen that birthed the change in the mid-range? So what's the chicken or the egg here? Uh, I think I think you kind of um, hit the nail on the head when you were like um, – Mike can't be as great as we know he can be with the pistons knocking him out there every time. And I think that that was like the catalyst. You know what I'm saying? And so the fun thing about basketball, um, basketball, like the basketball guys have always given us the man. And it's, it's just funny how it happens. There, yep. The man always appears right on time. Though. And so, like, you know, we had Wilt, then we had Wilt and Bill Russell. Then we had Dr. J. Then right after Dr. J on the decline, we get Magic and Bird. Right as soon as Magic and Bird get on the decline, we get Mike. As soon as Mike get on the decline, we get Kobe. As soon as Kobe get on the decline, well, really, like, in the middle of Kobe Prime, but we get LeBron. Mm-hmm. And now here we are with LeBron. We don't know who the next man going to be. The league really trying to figure it out right now. They think it's going to be Zion. They think it might be good. They think it might be Giannis. But we don't know. Yeah. So – the league always delivers that guy. So Magic and Bird get delivered to the league, and they, they play styles fit the league because, you know, they're born into it, you know. Mm-hmm. They play styles fit exactly what's going on. Bird not very athletic. Magic not very athletic. You know, can run. Get not really high flyers, not really dunkers, nothing like that. Not shooters. Bird can shoot the field on the ball. I'm not saying that. But Magic not really a shooter. He flashy, facilitate. Bird, grimy, good defense. It just they fit where they were. Bird fit Boston, Magic fit LA. It's just funny how the basketball guys does that for the for for the game of basketball. It just yeah. happens in that way perfectly. Make it makes like a perfect story. Poetic justice. But then, we, right? Poet is exactly what it is. But then we get Mike. The the basketball guys deliver us Mike Jordan, and it's like. Mike's song we ain't never seen before. All the greats say that. We ain't never seen nobody like Mike. It's like Mike flow. It's like Mike walking on air. I never seen nobody jump like Mike. Mike, black uh, Jesus. Jesus, uh, Jesus posing as Michael Jordan. All, all types of crazy stuff. Yeah. Mike was something we had never seen before. So now when Mike comes, the retaliation issue, the, the Pistons like, oh, we not finna just let him dunk all over us, finesse all over us, jump, jump past everybody. We finna not butt out there. Like, we're not finna just let them do that to us or regularly. We in the same conference. We're not getting to the finals without. So the Pistons know they like, all right, we, we we can't we can't beat him scoring the ball, but we can beat him. Like we we gonna beat him up. Like that's all we gonna have on. Mm-hmm. None of us are as athletic. None of us can jump as high. None of that. But we ain't gotta be athletic to take him out. Like we won't let him kill us, basically. And, the, and, you know, David Stern and the rest of the league, you know, the powers that be, they saw that and they was like, oh, no, 
we cannot afford for them to kill Mike. Mike might get hurt. Like Mike might just, you know, Mike did, you know, had an ad in the paper on. I don't know if you remember or not, but Mike did have an ad in the paper. Like they think that he that he was saying that the Pistons, he felt like the Pistons had it out for him trying to injure him. The league saw that. They was like, oh no, this is our, this is the man right now. He better than anybody on that team. Like, you know, everybody got their favorite sibling. I mean, that every parent got their favorite kid or that, that teacher got their favorite student. It's like, right, I'm going to take his side over your side because you didn't got in trouble a couple times. Yeah. So the league protected Mike. They like, okay, flagrant files. Okay, we finna get rid of the – well, handshaker was still a thing for a while. All right, flagrant files. You, you hit Mike, you hit anybody too hard or knock anybody out the air, do anything a little too dangerous. Flagrant, you might – that's going to be two free throws in possession, so you really lose on the back end. And if you do it twice, you out of here. Or if we consider it dangerous, you'll be out of here in the first. And so now, now what we get? <laughs> Space jam. <laughs> we get Mike flying through the air, up and under people, dunking on people, finessing everything in the air. And I love Mike game. Mike got one of the most beautiful layup packages I ever seen. I, I love watching Michael Jordan highlights. Nasty. But this is beautiful. Yeah, but let's just be real. The league knew he could do that. He he was the man, but the the other players, their competitive spirit wasn't just gonna let him have that. You know what I'm saying? They knew. Look at look at the stuff that that the greats were saying about Mike. They knew how great Mike was, but at the same time, you know the guys like the Pistons and stuff. They they had to look at it like, hey, none of us are are him. He is something different. He an alien on the way from, but that don't mean he can't be beat. And that's how they was doing it, and the league had to put a stop to that. And you hear the Will Chamberlain story where he said, uh, "What Will Chamberlain told Michael Jordan that he was the greatest basketballer of all time because they made rules so he couldn't dominate, but they made rules so Mike could." Yeah. So that, as much as we kind of talk about Will Chamberlain, like, ah, who was he playing against? He wasn't really playing against nobody. That is facts. The league made it illegal for him to dunk. They made him where he couldn't stand in the paint all day. Stuff like that. It's like they made rules so Wilt could not kill the other team. And he still was killing them. And so they made rules for, for Mike to go. Like, all right, Mike, we need you to still do something. And so, yeah, I think I think that concept of being marketable had did kind of break breed that uh rule change. And I think they they thought the same thing probably for Kobe. And I think they think the same thing for Brian now. That's why you see guys kind of complaining about getting fouls and stuff like Brian do. Like people bring that up on Brian a lot. But he too, they're not giving him fouls because he's so big. So I think that's just one of them things, man. Like the league gotta protect their they best interest. You know what I'm saying? So I understand that in the business aspect, but it what it is. Okay. So with that I kind of want to go to, like you said, like I'm learning business, right? And so within business, you want to always protect your most valuable asset. So at the time, the most valuable asset was Jordan. What Jordan brought to the game was another level of talent. With his level of talent plus his level of skill, the league looked at it and said, wow, we need to change the rules so we can let this talent and skill flourish more. So with their mindset became, okay, let's let this skill be more appealing. How is the offense not being able to thrive? Head checking, these hard fouls, and, you know, mucking up the game. So that shifted the game to being more about skill. 
that's when you started seeing you you didn't start seeing it more, but the you started seeing a a, ink, a very small percentage of shift from the bad boys pistons to more skill, right? You really didn't see that jump until the late nineties, early two thousands of more skill being the thing. The dunk contest in a whole nother level. So you're going from that to where we are now with Steph Curry, Dane, Kyrie dominating, right? Because the league shifted the attention from brute force and physicality to skill. The reason they shifted that because you started seeing, like you said before, you heard so many guys take pride on defense. Well, the league put more attention on the best players are skilled players. The best players are great on offense. So the offensive mindedness shifted the way players thought. The way players thought is, okay, I need to shoot more threes because the league is gearing. They're giving a platform for us to shoot threes more. You're not glamorized for the mid-range as much anymore. You're glamorized for threes. Okay, if I'm not a three-point shooter, what else can I do? I can make acrobatic dunks and layups. The mid-range game is not as sexy. That's why kids today aren't caring as much about the mid-range. You get praised and highlight mixtapes for crossing somebody up for a three, crossing somebody up and going in for a Kyrie layup. That's all you get. Not too often you're going to see a mid-range pull-up now. So it went from the mid-range, I mean, it went from highlight tapes of just showing great basketball, and that's how players just played, to now I'm playing my game for the highlight mixtape. So all you're going to see in my game now is crossovers, is a three-point shot, is the layups. Nowhere in there we see players take a mid-range shot. And so I think the birth of Jordan causing the shift in rules. So I think, in my opinion, I think the egg, which whatever came, I don't know how chicken the egg goes, but I think what came first was Jordan bringing the skill that shifted and birthed the rule change, that shifted to where we are now, that caused the three-point shot and layup to be more dominant in the mid-range. So now – the calls, I mean, the, the birth of Jordan's skill and his game shifted the league mindset and rules to where we need to make sure skill still appeals and we're able to we're able to have uh, the offense and the skill shine rather than having the dirty muck em up bad boys Pistons game. So that gave birth to Steph Curry. And like I said before, I'm seeing one seven-footer and one shot blocker that gives me more room to operate now with a four-out, one-in, pick-and-roll. So I think that birthed the depth of the mid-range rather than the rule change. I think the player caused the rule change and the rule change causing the players, if that makes sense. So that's how I stand on it. I got to feel that, man. But like like you said, I like you know, we got to market the best player. The league had to protect Mike. The rule changes. Uh, I think the, the rule changes just benefited that offense. Like, it's a defender. Mike, we all, we don't remember Mike for no defense. Remember the dunks flying through the air, the the flails. You know, he had the mid-range game, too. But that's that's what we remember. And like like I said, Mike, Dave, uh, Mike, Mike is like, much as we want to say, about guys basing their game on Kobe. We all know Kobe based his game on Mike. 
And so, therefore, Mike ain't nothing but the grandfather of all these guys we seeing now. And Kobe, they father. They all Kobe's sons. But yeah. Mike is the grandfather. And so, it's just one of the things. The rules was meant for Mike to shine and his light shine on, on the rest of the league. It, 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 gave, it gave way to what we have now. So, I, I, I attribute a lot of that to, to, like you said, the rule changes of the league to protect their business interests, to protect the guy. Like this, the man. Like I said, this is the man. He, we know he's the man. We're not gonna let y'all just keep beating him up. We need him to do him and be who he is for us to get as much out of him as we can. Now, if that means Michael Jordan wins six championships in eight years, then that's just what that means. But we need that. <laughs> that what David Stern saw when he said when when them Pistons took Mike out them two years and Mike made that ad in the paper. I know there was a phone call somewhere where David Stern said, "Hey." Mike kind of right. <laughs> yep. We need to do something about it. That's so, like I like I said, Mike ain't nothing but the grandfather of the guys we see now. Got think of the guys was like, oh, I, I, Kobe was my favorite player. I based my game on Kobe, and all and Kobe ain't nothing but like the reincarnation of Michael Jordan. We all know this. We all know Kobe is just Michael Jordan part two, and Kobe tell you how much he based the game off Mike. All that. And so, Mike the Mike the Godfather of basketball is all I'm trying to say. But the it's guys we got now, he they grandfather. And I say it's crazy for that because you look at Jordan, like prime Jordan when he was winning, his game was based off of mid range. His game was based off either I'm posting up mid range and I'm going to my my dream shake shimmies and all that stuff, or I'm catching out the triangle and I'm mid post or a high elbow, high post at the elbow area, I'm going to work there. But now in today's game, kids aren't taking that. Like like you said, he's the grandfather, Kobe's the father. Like Kobe's nothing but the most skilled Jordan ever. Jordan had the talent, he was more athletic, but Kobe came with the skill. Like his skill, his skill killed anybody else because he had to. Jordan was just more athletic, so whatever he lacked in skill, his talent and his finesse, I mean, his, you know, his physical makeup made up for whatever he lacked in skill. Cole was a little bit less athletic, so he had to be more skilled to get on that level. And so it's crazy that those two guys birthed the game that we have now and players aren't taking the mid-range from them. Now, the best scores in the game are, but the youth today aren't taking that. And I think some of that goes back to Steph Curry, like how we started the episode with what Steph Curry is the birth of the mid-range being, I mean, not the mid-range, the three-point being the more accepted shot and the more praised shot. So I still think that the players and the construction of the roster gave way to the mid-range being more frowned upon than did the rules, man. But you gave some really good points, man. It made me think for a second, but. I still got to go with the the players and GMs making up what, excuse me, making up the, the way the game is now, man. So, uh, any last words, man, before we close it out? Uh, protect your business interests, people. You see what the league is now. Hey, hey, we got Magic and Bird to thank, and then we got Mike. So, if the league ain't tell, teach us nothing, protect your business interests. I don't care what it may be or what you got to do. What rules you got to change? But if you got something that's going to make you money legally, I should say, let me throw that in there. 
Yeah. Do it the right way, but protect your business interests because the basketball is one of the most popular sports in the world right now. And so we got Mike to thank for that. <laughs> so that'd be my last two cents. Yeah, I'll say um kids work on your mid-range shot, it's not dead. Work on the mid post, work on one and two dribble pull-ups and stay of the game, man. It it won't hurt. It'll it'll it won't hurt and it'll even it'll help you more. You think it will hurt you to go back and do your history and your research on the game, because knowing where you came from can help you from making the same mistakes from the past, and it can help you see the future and elevation of where you can go. And so, uh, do your research, man, and just know where you came from, man, and just know where the game started and where it birthed from, and that can help you see or at least be able to be a part of the new wave when it comes so work on the mid-range man i'm gonna play do that my, i have my players do that regardless like i don't care how great a three-point shooter you are we work on the mid-range so um i think that's a good episode man we got a nice little discussion going um but i don't want this conversation and this discussion and this debate to end here i need you listeners to help us out man so Nelson thinks it's the rules. I think it's the GMs and the players that really force the mid-range to, you know, be less less appealing. So uh, I want y'all opinion on this, man. Let us know what you, what do you think caused the shift more? Was it the rules like Nelson said or was it the GMs and the players like I'm saying? Or if you have another uh, theory, another concept that we didn't mention and talk about that, you know, was a factor in how the game is being played now. I love to hear it. So my YouTubers, go ahead and drop a comment below. Let us know what you think happened. Um, go ahead and follow us on social media and hit us up and let us know what you think, man. You can follow Nelson on Twitter at NellieH34. Follow him on Facebook at Nelson Haskin. Uh, follow me at wherever social media is present because I'm trying to do a little bit of everything. So follow me at B Ball Jones, B E Ball Jones, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, subscribe to this YouTube page. We got, like I said, podcasts coming out every week, man. So we're gonna try to do more debates and stuff as well because this this is a nice conversation to have. You know, the barbershop talk is always something nice to have. You know, just for kicks and you know, getting our thoughts off and stuff. So. Um, Appreciate you guys listening in, man. Episode 10. So it's a good one. I think I'm right. So it's all that matters at the end of the day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man. Appreciate you listening. Uh subscribe to us on wherever you get your podcast at, you know, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever, man. We exposed to everything. So keep listening in to us and watch the growth, man. <laughs>